In the name of the Father and the Son and God's Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Only two of the gospel writers actually tell the story of Jesus' birth, but all four agree that John the Baptist prepared the way for him. So here is this desert wanderer, this wild and crazy guy who is the spitting image of Elijah the prophet in the Old Testament, both from his haircut to his hair shirt. He is as much a mystery as he is a wild man, shouting out there in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And he was to become a real force, this man of the desert. Because of his movement, Christianity arose. And you will remember that some of Jesus' followers were actually John's followers beforehand. You'll also remember things that were said about Jesus after John was beheaded. Some people thought that Jesus was John reincarnated. So powerful was the impact that John made on his generation. Still, his voice was shrill and harsh, not winsome and polished. John was one who, with the desert sand in his hair, maybe a locust leg stuck at the corner of his beard, just not particularly attractive. You and I might have thought of him as a homeless man, in all honesty. Um, his glazed eyes look and his tattered shirt. Were he a little more docile, you and I might have tried to slip a dollar into his pocket so that he could pick up a bagel and a cup of coffee. He looked that down and out. I think he would have been an appealing personality on the old Jerry Springer show, don't you think? I mean, can't you picture him up there on the stage with a Pharisee and uh, a Sadducee, and Jerry turns to him and says, you know, John, what's really bugging you? And John points his bony finger at one of the Pharisees, and he says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? And then he jumps up out of his seat and grabs the robe of one of the Sadducees. There was no love lost between John and his critics. So what was it then that brought people out to see this wild baptizer in the wilderness? What was it that got them to close up the shop for the day and to declare a school holiday and go out to the place where the Jordan met the desert. I mean, was it just the peculiarity of his appearance? Just this countercultural look? Was there some kind of pandemic and everybody just felt the need to, any, any excuse to get out of the house? Of course, we don't know for sure. But my hunch is that it was what he had to say. His vision of a world that was better than the world in which they lived. This wild-eyed disbelief that the way things were were not necessarily the way they had to be, with life in general, but also in their lives. 
we, all of us, I think, have a hope that life can somehow be better than it is. And it's more than just, you know, a redo of the kitchen or the bathroom or, or getting the floors finally sanded and restrained. We delude ourselves sometimes into believing that, you know, life would somehow be better if we could just make a few little changes, whether it's to ourselves or to our surroundings. You know, if I could just lose a few pounds, maybe that person at work or at the club would notice me. If I could only get that promotion or move to greener pastures, all those people who have doubted me would see who I really am. If I could only get the kids off to college or get their education paid for, then I could deal with the tension in my marriage or in my family. We suspect that something needs to change in our lives. But most likely it is not what we think it is, which is why we so often do foolish and risky things to address it. Now, change is never easy. And frankly, none of us are all that good at it. In spite of the fact that the familiar easily bores us. If we didn't know that before, we surely know it after nine months of COVID. And change isn't easy in our, in our Christmas routines. I mean, we're not sure this year, how will we celebrate? Will we be able to travel? How many young couples uh, I have been with who have gone through the agony of changing Christmas routines, uh, knowing that they can't keep things the same way and yet knowing that they will, um, they will mix up all the expectations their family has about the way it has always been. Mother, we're not coming for Christmas Eve uh, this year. You're not coming for Christmas Eve, but everybody else is going to be there. I know, Mother, but we need some time with the kids. And Jack's family is going to be in from Seattle all the way until the 26th. Well, if only I had known my own daughter would turn her back on her family. I never thought it would come to this. Change is just hard. Here we are. We have to learn how to do these Zoom meetings and these live streaming things in our new normal. Some of us have to... To, to move into a new phase of life, all of us into a new phase of our community life. It's just hard, which is why we so like the routine and the familiar and the same old, same old. And here comes John the Baptist walking onto that scene and stirring up all of these conflicted feelings with his calls to change. Turn around from the way you're going, he says. Get ready for God to do something quite radical in this world and in your life. Because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And it's right there in those words that you find the real thing that lured the people 
out of Jerusalem and the surrounding suburbs. That's what they came to hear. That's what eventually got him killed. The change of the kingdom of heaven breaking into the world and into their lives. That's what they wanted to hear. And that's what they were most afraid of. More important than all the little changes, all the cosmetic improvements, the minor adjustments, they wanted, they needed to hear about a life lived closer to God. They wanted to hear about the possibility that as you live your days, it is possible to get closer rather than farther from something worthwhile to live for, something better than just the the, the unending posturing of the politics in the capital or the exhausting climb up the corporate or social ladder or the stifling feeling that even though he who dies with the most toys wins, you really don't want to spend the rest of your life fiddling with the adult equivalent of Hot Wheels and Barbie dolls. The Baptist comes along and says, God is closer than you might have thought possible, nearer than you have ever imagined, ready or not. And it will be better for us if we are ready, which means being open to change. Because the price of getting closer to God is that everything else in your life and I mean everything, gets reprioritized. So, what has to change? How do you get ready for the approaching kingdom? Well, you get your life in order. You move closer to the truth than so many of the lies that are being spread in our society today. You put your money where your convictions are. You live up to the promises that you have made to those you love. You face, and with God's help, you conquer the addictions and the compulsions that are taking control of your life. You look yourself square in the eye in the morning and you ask yourself where your life is headed and is that where you really want to go? And none of that is easy if we do it honestly because change is sometimes the last and the most threatening thing we ever want to do. And if it is difficult for us to change like that, how much more for our society around us? I mean, the truth is most of us... Um, we don't like everything about the world around us. We complain about it a great deal. But the deeper truth is that we are willing to accept it. We are willing to live with it, especially if we are the ones who most benefit from it. I mean, in reality, we don't want the social order to change that much, right? I mean, it's not our business we tell ourselves, if 
48 million Americans have no access to health care. The pandemic has clearly exposed the inequities in our health care system, but as long as I have coverage, it's not my problem, we say, if one out of five prisoners in a Michigan jail has a serious mental disorder, schizophrenia, bipolar, because during the Engler administration, we closed most of the psychiatric institutions in this state and then never lived up to the promise to build the, the psychiatric clinics that we said would help those people. But as long as it's not a part of my family, the children of wealthy parents in our society have access to wonderful equipment to help them during this pandemic. But again, the pandemic has exposed the gross inequities in our education system. The reality is that while many wealthy children will be able to have a good shot at college, only one out of 10 children in lower income families will have that possibility. More of those children will actually make it into prison. In fact, in many states, they can actually predict how many prison beds they will need in the future by looking at the current level of third grade reading. The overwhelming majority of scientists in the world don't even question the existence of global warming. And yet we are willing to have an administration for four years that has gone backwards in dealing with that problem and we are willing to pass that on to another generation who will, understandably, hold us accountable. And along comes the Baptist with his message of repentance. The kingdom of heaven is nearer than you think. I baptize you with, the, with a baptism of water and repentance. But there is one who is coming after me, one who has always cared most for the least of these among you, and he will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. The kind of change we like to practice is pocket change. Easy to contain, easy for politicians to manipulate, nothing too radical, nothing systematic, but the sounds that our coins make as they clink against the bottom of the Salvation Army kettle is hollow if we think that God's justice and peace come on the wings of pennies. Who told us to flee the change that is to come? So into this season, not only of merriment and sentiment, but of penitence, the Baptist wants us to know that the kingdom itself is drawing near. Where some of our most cherished assumptions are going to be placed under the severest of scrutiny. And if change in ourselves is hard, how much more costly the changes that need to be made in our society. Repent and believe the kingdom of heaven is drawing near. But beware, because it will change us. 
Stars in the sky will move and kings will have to bow. Heavenly choruses will sing their praises in the night and a savior will come. One who may be more Pentecostal than Presbyterian in his temperament, holding a winnowing fork in his hand and he will want change from us. Not pocket change, but change in our hearts change down to the bottom of our souls. That's what the Baptist from the desert is trying to tell us. That in order to be ready for a savior, you must be willing to admit you need to be saved. Need to be willing to pray for and work for real change. The kind that builds a world of justice and peace where the poor are lifted up and the mighty are brought low. Change we cannot contain in our pocketbooks and about which we may have many misgivings. What John seems to know and what we are yet to figure out is that when Jesus comes, he comes not only as savior, but as judge and never one without the other. And he means to transform us from the poorest to the greatest, from the least to the mightiest. And his coming will likely shock us because he will be born not in a private birthing room in an affluent community, but rather in a cow's stall on the backside of nowhere, surrounded by the poorest of the poor and the neediest of the needy. And it scares the living daylights out of us. And well, it should. In this, the coziest of seasons, the most wonderful time of the year, John the Baptist crashes the party with a message that is so dissonant it might ruin the whole thing. Were there not so much that we need to hear in what he has to say? Don't underestimate. Don't trivialize this baby who is yet to be born. I have good news for you this morning. Troubling good news. You can't get to Bethlehem without going out to the Jordan to hear John. Well, that's not exactly true. Of course, you can get to Bethlehem. But you know what they say about only getting what you pay for. And if you're only bringing pocket change, well, 